That means everything in your life, from when you were born into sin in this world till that moment, your history is wiped out. And you enter into a new season only with God's vision for your life in front of you. I'm going to have some fun today. Just mess with the devil. Have some fun. Amen. We've had an amazing two weeks between Palm Sunday and Easter. It's just been amazing what's happened around here. And uh, I just want to thank our church uh, members that lay down their lives to make everything possible here. From, you know, greeting people and cafe and all the setting up and what they do with kids ministry. You know, we have a team that serves here every single week. They serve the families of this church. And I, I find it such an honor to serve with such a great group of people. You guys are family, and I love you, and I thank you for everything that you do. This church is nothing without you. We are the church. Amen. You are the church. And in you giving your life to serve the King of Kings, we are blessing people and blessing families. And we saw uh, over 400 people come through our doors here on Palm Sunday. We were wall-to-wall packed. We had 100 kids on the floor. We had people standing around the back. And then for Easter Sunday, we had 300 people in here. Amen. And it was just a powerful production, what the performing arts team did with the B-Nerds and bringing a message about what Jesus did for us. We told the whole story. We got on a time ship, and we went back in time, ladies and gentlemen. In the beginning, and there was light. And we saw the fall of Adam and Eve, and then we, we seen uh, Noah, God destroying the whole earth because people had become so corrupt and so wicked. And then we saw Jesus coming and giving his life on the cross. And, you know, the one act of disobedience by Adam, Jesus had one act of obedience. And just as we all came under the law of sin and death, through the disobedience of one man, through the righteous act of another man, we all come under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and we're delivered from the curse of sin and death. We're delivered from sickness, disease, and poverty. We are given authority as children of the Most High God to rule and reign as kings and priests here on the earth. It's powerful. Shock Zulu, baby. Say, who is Shock Zulu? Go look him up. And so, um, yeah. And then, you know, when Jesus, he rose from the dead, he met with his disciples and said, Go into the world and preach this good news. I was dead, but now I'm alive. And I have broken the power of sin and death. And now you can live. You can go back to the garden, which is our promised land. And we can once again walk with God. That's what this is all about. So we go back to the garden. We get our dominion back. We get our authority back. We get our identity back. We find our Heavenly Father. The relationship comes back. Now we're not orphans anymore. We're not alone anymore. We know Him as Abba Father, my Father. And maybe you didn't have a dad in the natural, but you got a dad in heaven, and He knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. He's got a good plan for your life. He made you perfect according to His design. 
Everything about you is perfect for the assignment God has for you. But if you're, not, if you're not in relationship with Him, you won't understand who you are and why God designed you the way He designed you and why you were allowed to walk that Egypt road you were walking. And what I find is the thing that the devil meant for your disaster, God turns it around and now you use it to deliver other people. It's so good. This is fun. I feel sorry for the traditional Greek Orthodox people that were out till 3 a.m. this morning listening to Latin. I can play Three hours. You don't know what the guy said. And you're doing everything in your power not to fall asleep. But it's tradition. We got to do this on Passover. They have no relationship with Jesus. They just got tradition and religion. And it's sad to me, man. It's so sad. There's this life that you have with God where you walk with Him every single day. Every single day, every moment of your day, He is God who is with us. And he wants to come live on the inside of you, the temple of God. And when the Holy Spirit fills you, your life changes. There's this guy by the name of Nicodemus. He's a religious dude. He goes and sees Jesus at night when none of his peers are watching him. He says, how do I get into this kingdom of yours that you're talking about? Because Jesus is the king of a kingdom. The kingdom of God. And Nicodemus says, I want to be in this kingdom of yours. And Jesus says, well, you've got to be born again, brother. He's like, well, how do I go back into my mother's womb? And Jesus looks at Nicodemus. He says, you're a, you're a religious leader, man. You're, you're supposed to be leading the way. And you don't know how to get into the kingdom. He says, this is not of physical passion. It's not of human birth. This is a birthing of the spirit, where your spirit man is reborn. You know, just like we have parents, a woman gets pregnant. She's got three trimesters. We've got sonograms. We know the baby's coming. We even know the gender of the baby. We're getting the bedroom ready. We got all the clothing ready. We've got the cribs. We've got the little baby shoes we got the blankets, and we've got Mount Diaper that is being stored up. we got aunts and uncles that are excited for the baby's arrival. You know, they've got a name for this baby. Maybe two, because the parents each need to choose one. And then, when this child is born into the kingdom, there's a lot of screaming. By the mother. <laughs> I hate you right now. But imagine that baby in the womb, all comfortable in this warm water. This child is just so comfy in mama. And all of a sudden, the water disappears. 
what's going on? Something's not right. It's, and then pressure starts pushing this baby. I mean, have you ever thought about the child in the womb coming through the womb? The noise it hears. It's never heard mom make these sounds before. Hearing some strange sounds and there's lights and all kinds of weird things going on. And this pressure, this pressure pushing this child through this tiny birth canal. And then coming into this, this other atmosphere where it's cold, freezing cold. And then for the first time, this child takes a breath and the color changes all through its body. And it begins to cry. <laughs> and then they're jabbing it and they're cleaning it and they're cutting cords and all this kind of stuff and bathing it. And parents are so excited. Snap, snap. <laughs> and it's exactly the same coming into the kingdom of God. Where you are born of the Spirit. And you come into the atmosphere of heaven. All this pressure pushing you somewhere you've never been before. A world you've never been in. A world you've never experienced. You've got a heavenly father waiting for you to come because he's got a brand new name for you. He's got all the clothing that you need for the rest of your life. Full provision for your whole life. You never have to worry about a single thing because your daddy loves you and your daddy cares for you. He's got a plan for your life. He knows exactly what he's going to do with you. And he unlocks gifts and spiritual gifts on the inside of you. And you become this child of the Most High God. And you are born into a royal family. That's the only way into his family is to be born into it. The only way into a royal family is to be born into royalty. Because the royals aren't allowed to marry peasants. It's a closed family. It's the family. You've got to be born into this family. Amen. You take that first breath of the oxygen of heaven. It's like man was in the garden formed out of the dust of the ground, and God breathes the breath of life into his nostrils, and he becomes a living being. It's the same breath when God said, let there be light. And that same breath, when the Holy Ghost fills you, comes on the inside of you, and now your spirit man is reborn, and the Holy Spirit joins to your spirit, and you come to know that you have a father in heaven. No longer an orphan, no longer an outsider, but you're part of the family of God. And there is a process. There's a process of conception through three trimesters to be born into this natural realm. And it's exactly the same in the spirit. We hear on a Sunday morning or we go evangelize, we tell people about this kingdom that you can be born into, that there's a heavenly Father that loves you, that God has got all these blessings for you. And people make the decision, I want that. So they pray this prayer with us. And we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and we believe in Him that He died for us and He's given us access. We come to altars, we pray on the streets. 
But that's just the seed of Christ. Everybody say the seed. The seed has the potential to grow into a child. Is that right? But just like there's the ability for that seed to be miscarried or that seed to be aborted, your process into the kingdom can be miscarried or aborted. Because there is an enemy that doesn't want you to walk that process. He doesn't want you to leave Egypt, the place where he holds you and he controls you, where he has you bound by addiction and drugs and all different kinds of things. He doesn't want to let you go. He wants to use you to build his kingdom, to do his works. He wants to work through you to do evil in the world. He wants to work through you to tear people down. He wants to keep you deceived, keep you under his control so that you don't do anything for the king of kings. He wants you to be a slave to him, sin and death. That means he's going to use you to do whatever he wants you to do. And then at the end, you die and you go to hell. He keeps you forever destroys your life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God has come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. And so here we are. We hear this message about the gospel, and we receive it with joy. Some people in the beginning, they're like, ah, I don't want to hear about Jesus. And most people don't want to hear about God because they have a bad taste with religion. They went to these religious churches and they had to do crazy home and anom and anamo at 3 a.m. in the morning. And it doesn't work for them. And they're like, I don't want anything to do with that. No, thank you. I would rather snort cocaine than religion. There's more fun in getting high than there is going to religion. Greed. It's painful. Religion is painful. Why? Because you have. The sin, all your sins on your shoulders, you're feeling guilt, condemnation, and shame. And then religion does nothing to set you free. But you have to do all these things, all these works to be right with God. And you're still bound. So you're going to church, you're still sleeping around, you're still drinking, getting drunk, getting high, cussing, doing all the things you used to do because there's no power in your religion to save you and deliver you from the sin that you've been bound by. Nothing to save you. They've got a form of godliness, but there's no power to deliver you. Because it's based on works, not on the finished work. And so... This journey that we're on, it's the same journey that Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, through the wilderness, and into the promised land. You're on the same journey, but it's a spiritual journey. And the Bible lays out what this journey looks like. Most people come and get saved, but they don't understand where they're going, what they're doing, or what church is all about. All they know is it's programs. I come on a Wednesday, I come on a Sunday, I go to this class, I go to that class, just keeping me busy but there's, there's no forward motion. I have no destination. I don't know where I'm ending up. And so most churches think programs. They don't think steps. They don't tell you where it is they're leading you to. Where are you leading me? Where are you taking me? I can tell you where I'm taking you. I'm taking you out of Egypt, out of captivity, slavery to sin, out of bondage, where 
Pharaoh has got control over you and using you, and you're bound by sin, making you do things you do not want to do. I don't want to get drunk, but man, I can't help it. I keep doing it. I don't want to sleep around, but somehow I'm bound by this thing. I don't want to do these things. I feel guilty. I feel terrible. I love God, but I'm stuck. And there's generational things through your family line that you grew up with, and then your father left your mother, now you leave your wife. You grow up without a dad, and now your children grow up without a dad. Generational curses get passed down the family line. God wants to break you out of the family line you've been in. He wants to put you in His family with His generational blessings. I feel in the presence of God getting ready to smack and hut, shock a Zulu, break some people out. Some people are getting ready to take a pure breath of the oxygen of heaven. They're about to taste the atmosphere of heaven for the first time. They're about to come alive in Christ Jesus. The Holy Ghost is going to break some chains. The anointing is going to break burden, removing yoke, destroying power, set the captive free because Jesus is a Savior. He's a deliverer. He's not dead. He's not on a cross. He's not a baby in a manger. He's a living God at the right hand of the Father with all authority and power with death and hell and grave under him. That was a shot. Oh, Lord. See, right there, that is proof. What, what just went through this room is proof. It's a witness that Jesus is alive. That we serve a living God. Not some dead God. Huh. All right, let me get myself together here. And so God wants to take you out of this captivity that you've been in your whole life. You're born into slavery, and you don't even know you're born into it. It's so comfortable. It's so normal that when somebody tells you that addiction is not part of your identity, you look at them and say, you're crazy. You're judging me. You're attacking me. This is who I am. It's not who you are. That is a deception. That is a twisted version of who you are. And God wants to deliver you from all these things that you think are part of your identity that are not part of your identity. And the problem is when you don't know your heavenly father, you don't know God, you haven't had this breath of the oxygen of heaven, you don't know there's a father in heaven, that there's another realm, that you're not of this earth, but you're from his kingdom. That's where you come from. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, he already knew you. And he put you into that body that was being knit into your mother, in your mother's womb. He put you inside there. And he puts you on the planet. But you don't know that he exists until you breathe the oxygen of heaven, until the Holy Ghost fills you. And then you're reborn into the kingdom and you understand what we're crazy people are talking about. Now you understand why people are jumping, shouting, screaming, whatever, living for Jesus, giving on this mission to see other people set free because you know what it really is to be set free. 
Because some other people paid the price for you to get free, you're passing it forward. You join the mission. And even when people hate you and they rebuke you and they disown you and they, they call you names, you don't care. Because you're secure in Him. But if you don't know Him, then what happens is you start getting labels from this world. Without a pair of Gucci's, you're nobody. Without a fast car, you're nobody. Without a, the, the, the letters in front and at the end of your name, you have to keep going to school to prove to the world that you're actually smart. You've got to get some position and some title so you'll climb a corporate ladder, stepping on everybody in the process to get to the top just so that you can say, I'm the boss, so that you can get the paycheck. You can earn the money because your identity is, of, of being naked, ashamed, and afraid has to be covered by things of this natural world so people don't really see the reality on the inside of you. You're messing with me. Oh, yeah. We're messing. We're meddling. Told you we're going to have some fun today. So what is it that God wants to do? God says, I want you to make the decision that I'm done with sin and death. If you're enjoying it, then he'll let you play in the devil's playground. But you have to come to the point where you say, you know what? I'm sick of living here. I'm tired of living in this environment. I'm tired of living under the control of the enemy and dictating to my flesh who I am and what I will do. And if things don't go my way, then my emotions get all welded up and I become a hot mess. And I'm like an emotional roller coaster. It depends on the price of gas and who's in the White House and who, what's going on in my house and what's going on at work. And if things aren't under my control perfect, then I'm a mess. I live in fear. I wake up every morning part of a rat race where you're running off to stuff to prove that you're somebody. Getting into debt beyond your eyeballs and pretending like you've got it all together. That's the devil's world. It's a rat race. You wake up every day living in fear, driven to go make money so they don't take your house, they don't take your car, they don't cut off your food supply. Because you're using your Walmart credit card to buy food. Tell me if I'm lying. Your children's clothing, all on credit. Because you don't know the God who says, if you will seek first my kingdom and live righteously, I will add clothing to you. I will make sure you're fed. I will make sure you have a roof over your head. You don't know him. You're still living in your own power and in your own strength. But in order for you to come under the covering of the king, in order for you to be born in the king's family and to be part of this family, you have to make a decision. I'm giving up the life that I'm currently living. I hate my life. I don't want this life anymore. I want a better life. But that means that you're going to have to change your lifestyle. That means you can't go to the bars anymore. You can't go to the clubs anymore. You can't go sleeping around anymore. You can't go do all these other things anymore, right? I can't keep going down to the drug dealer on the corner to get my fix for the week. Or to the pharmacist to get my next pill to numb the pain. Or the next doctor's trip. He's your healer. He's your savior. He's your deliverer. He's your provider. He's everything that you need him to be. 
And you have to decide who you belong to. Do you belong to him or do you live for yourself? And it's going to require you to lay down your life. And you say, well, I don't know how to get out of my addictions. I don't know how to break out of these things that have had me bound my whole life. You don't have to worry about it. All you have to do is come to the deliverer and say, deliverer, I need you to deliver me because I'm sick and tired of being bound. Nobody else. The doctors can't fix me. This can't fix me. My family can't fix me. God, I need you to come through for me. And if you'll come to him with that attitude and you will cry out to him and say, God, I need you, your Savior will show up. Your deliverer will show up. Your provider will show up. Because anytime you praise the king and call him by his name, he has to demonstrate that version of him to you. You cry out to the God who provides, guess what? Provision shows up. You cry out to the God who heals, guess what? Healing shows up. But it's not like, oh God, will you heal me if it's your will? I hope so. You have to believe in who he is. And if you believe he's a healer, you say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And you don't care what people think. You don't care what people say. And you cry out to God with everything that you got, and you don't stop crying out till he shows up. Listen, if a baby is crying in the crib, and mom doesn't come when, Mah! all that baby has to do is go nuts. <laughs> mom, dad, the neighbors, everybody's coming to run to find out what this child is screaming about. And trust me, if you cry out to God like that, he knows the cries of his people. He heard the cries of the people in Egypt. They came up before him and he said, I'm sending Moses in. SEAL team. Black ops. Sends Moses in there. And God used mighty signs and wonders to deliver his people out of Egypt. And God will do exactly the same thing for you. Mighty signs and wonders, and he'll break you free from those addictions. He'll break you free from everything that you're dependent upon him that's not him. Because he's a jealous God, and he only wants you to depend upon him. But you've got to make a decision that you're giving your life to him. You're not, you, it's not a one-night stand. It's not let's date and see what you can do. See how you're going to wine me and dine me. No, he's looking for a pure bride, someone that will make a commitment for life, that I'm going to live for you, I'm going to serve you, I'm going to be your helpmate. That's what the bride, that's what the wife is supposed to be to the husband, the helpmate. The bride of Christ is here to help the bridegroom fulfill his assignment in the earth. That's why we're here. How can I serve you today? What can I do for you today? I'm available, God, whatever you need. Honey, what do you need today? And I tell you, when you make that commitment and you give your life to him, 
and you start that journey, the two become one. It doesn't happen overnight, but if you'll just keep going, you'll have some arguments. Well, I don't understand why I have to give this up. I don't understand why you're acquiring this for me. Well, this is how I did it when, when I was at home. Why we got to do it this way, God? Because you're living in a new household. There's a new set of rules to live by. When I moved from South Africa to America, I couldn't drive on the other side of the road anymore. Many of you would not be alive today. When you move to a new country, you have to learn the laws of the land. When you become a citizen of the kingdom of God, it's not about membership in a church. It's about citizenship in a kingdom. And most people come to church thinking that they're doing me a favor. I'm here to help you, pastor. No, you don't understand. I'm here to help you discover a relationship with God. And if you will listen to me, I can help you because I walked this journey and I know how to get you to the promised land. But if you're going to fight me along the way, I'm going to leave you at the gas station and go help somebody else who's looking to take this trip. I want to get out of the car. Okay, get out. Walk. You'll figure it out. Eight years later, they come back. People come to me, they, they, they come to the church, they, they, they start getting their lives in order, everything starts getting better, God starts blessing them, they've got rid of all the guilt, all the shame, everything, they, they start just, God, you won't believe what God is doing in my life, this, this, and that, and then the next thing, they get taken right out. They go right back to where they came from, because they thought everything was good, and before, before you know it, they're in a worse condition than they were the first time around. And so if you're making this journey, make a commitment to the journey. Amen? Because we're going to bring you through to the other side. And I want to read some scripture. And we'll probably continue with this over the next few weeks because it's just so much fun. Because I want you to understand the journey. I want you to understand what church is about. I want you to understand what this is, where we're going. And if I can give you a clear picture of where we're heading and what to look out for, then you won't fall into the traps of the enemy. You'll see it coming before it comes, and you'll say, ha, ha. Pastor told me you were coming. I know your tricks, buddy. I'm not falling for that one. But if you don't see it coming, you get taken out. So here in Mark chapter 4, Jesus speaking, teaching stories, parables. And in verse 3, he says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on the footpath. The birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow, shallow soil well, with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon withered under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. Everybody say good soil. And they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. And he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Later, when Jesus was alone with his 12 disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. 
parables meant. 11. And he replied, You are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God. But I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, verse 13, powerful, important, super important. If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? This is foundational. You're not going to get the Bible until you get this. You won't understand the kingdom until you get this. This is how do I get into the kingdom? How am I born into the kingdom? What does this process look like? Can somebody help me through my three trimesters when I'm in the womb and I can't see anything on the outside? Imagine trying to explain to a baby in the womb, hey, buddy, nine months from now, you're going to be out here. All he's hearing is... That baby doesn't understand a single thing you're talking about. That baby has no concept of what you're talking about. I can tell you, go on the Shikra, or I can tell you, go get on the Incredible Hulk roller coaster, and I can tell you the G's and the force and the swirls and the worlds. And people look at you like, I don't, I don't get it, because they've never been on a roller coaster before. But when they get on the roller coaster, they understand what you're talking about. And it's exactly the same. You can try and explain to people all day long what the kingdom living is all about. But until they enter the kingdom, they don't really understand it. And that's why we have to love people. Because if you judge people, they're never going to want what you're, you're bringing to the table. How do, how do people get set free and delivered from the junk they're in unless they experience God? And if you're criticizing them and judging them and telling them they're going to hell and how pathetic they are and all the things they have to do, just lead them to Jesus and let Jesus do what Jesus does. And so Jesus explains to these guys. He says, a farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. And the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. So hard ground. Everybody say hard ground. The first test that you're going to have to face in this walk is when God's word comes to you, are you going to receive what God says or are you going to reject it? This is salvation. This is giving. This is preaching the gospel. This is serving. This is attendance in church. This is all these things. So you have to make a decision that God's word is true, that God and his word are one. And if God says it in the Bible and my life doesn't line up with it, I'm ready to change. This is supposed to be the foundation for your home, the principles that are set in the house. So when the husband and the wife have a disagreement, they can go to the Word of God and they can settle the dispute. Because both of them are surrendering to what God says. That's how you keep a marriage together. But if you don't have a standard you're living by, then it's my way or the highway. But when you know that you're surrendered to a God that's going to judge you at the end of the day, you're going to have to give an account for your life and for your wife and your family, man. Then you rethink this. Moving right along. Say hard ground. So when you don't understand something, it doesn't mean that you reject it. You say, Lord, help me understand. You accept the word. Can I get an amen? 
then the Lord will show you down the road what that really means and why. But you've got to make a decision that God's word is final authority in your life. And no matter what God says, I'm going to do it. If my life doesn't line up with this book, then there's some changes I'm going to make. I'm not going to get a delegation together and have a committee meeting and say God needs to change his ways. If you're going to live in his kingdom, you're going to live by his rules. Can I get an amen? If you're not ready to live by his rules, then you live wherever you want to live. The reason those laws are there, this is the book of the law. The reason these laws are here is because it's boundaries for you to live in so that you have a blessed life. You cross the boundary, you're in territory where God can't protect you. And so the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, but it's taken away because they don't understand it and they're not willing to change. The seed that fell on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as problems, everybody say problems, or they're persecuted for believing God's word. So you know what? You, you hear about Jesus. You come to church. You give your life to Jesus. You go home. Say, I'm going to church. Family, we're going to church. Husband, children, we're going to church. Oh, they're going to kick like a mule. We ain't going to church. You're crazy. You tell your family, you tell your friends, I'm no longer doing this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to change my life. You are going to get persecuted. They're going to verbally attack you. The people you thought were your friends are actually going to stab you in the back very quickly. And then you'd be like all depressed because you thought they were your friends. And you got to make a decision. Am I going to continue to run with this crowd or am I ready to give these people up so that I can live the life God wants me to live? If you want to leave me, fine, leave me. But as for me and this house, I'm serving Jesus. I'm changing my life to this book. Husband, you don't like it, I'm changing. Wife, you don't like it, I'm changing. Kids say to their parents, guess what? I'm living for Jesus. And there's going to be persecution and there's going to be hatred. But you know what? If you'll just stand your ground and you'll take the heat, God will reward you. Not only will God reward you, but he'll turn your family around. I can't tell you how many families, how many people, when they first come to God, we've had threats. Fathers have threatened to burn the church down and kill us. You've taken my son from me. We get called cults. They're a cult. Yeah, we are a cult. Yeah. We're a culture. We're a place where people grow. They grow right. We cultivate sons and daughters of the Most High God. We raise up a new breed of people that know who their God is, that are blessed beyond measure. They walk with authority and power. They're a different breed of people. We raise them up. Yeah, yeah, that's what we do. People who are blessed. People who have peace in their lives and in their homes and marriages that are solid and secure and children that know who they are. Growing up, knowing who their God is and making an impact in this world. Yeah, we're that culture. Absolutely. 
We're a kingdom culture of righteous living that obey the Creator, the King of Kings, and the Asian of Days. That's the cult I'm part of. I'm part of those people. The children of light. I told you I was going to have fun. So this is, the, this is the foundation message, Wendy, that the Lord gave me. It was July 5th, 2007. The only way to describe it was I got hit by a lightning bolt. And over a period of three months, I wrote out a vision. And what I'm preaching today is what I wrote out. And so I'm preaching the original message God gave me. And I'm having my, this is my best life right here. I'm just, I'm doing this for me today. I don't care. Because here's the thing. People come to church and they don't know what this world is about. And i got to show you the journey. i got to help you overcome the things that are going to hold you back from taking territory. You see, God doesn't want to take you from this earth. He wants you to stay here and establish His will in the earth. And a lot of people are looking to escape because they don't know how to break free from what, what they're bound in. They want to die. They want to get out. But they don't realize they've got to die to what's in them so they can be reborn into the life of God. This is the birth canal, people. It's not comfortable. It's not easy. But I'm telling you, when you're on the other side, it's beautiful. And so... When you get persecuted, the first thing that's going to stop you is your pride. I'm not willing to believe what God says. I don't want God's help. The second thing that's going to stop you is people. Persecution. And if you're going to choose to please people rather than please God, then you're going to miscarry your process. Here's the third trimester. Verse 18, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. So right when you're getting ready to break through, you have all kinds of opportunities. All of a sudden, I got a new job, Pastor. It just happens to be on Sunday morning just happens to be Sunday. It's from God. Because I've been believing for more money. But you don't understand. The enemy is using a little carrot at the end of the stick. And he's saying, what are you going to choose? Now, I understand sometimes you've got to step into a job. And you've got to work through a process before you can get some freedoms. And that's fine. But if you deliberately choose not to shift, you've got to make some decisions. You've got to ask yourself the question, am I running after God or am I running after the things the world has to offer? You've got to make men, let me talk to the men. I love talking to men lately. Guys, you got, you, you, you've got like this conquer, conquer spirit on the inside of you where you want to take territory and you, you want to, rah, that's men, that's us, Vikings, rah. <laughs> the problem is if your passion, that Viking rah, 
If that passion is to run after getting woman, or run after getting money, or run after pleasure and things, it's directed in the wrong direction. That passion that you have has to be directed towards God. And when you direct that raw on the inside of you to run after God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, and you love Him in that way, and you seek Him in that way, God will add all things unto you. He'll give you the woman of your dreams. He'll give you the business and the finances that you need. And He'll give you vacations, and He'll add things unto you. The desires you have in your heart, God will bring those to pass in your life. You don't have to go run after those things in the world. You run after God, and God will bring them to you. Because if you delight yourself in the Lord, He'll give you the desires of your heart. Because you love Him first, He's going to show you what He can bless you with. See, there's a covenant here. And in this covenant, God's ready to pour out every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And He's ready to add all His goodness to you. But you've got to show that you're committed to this marriage. That it really is a covenant. It's not a transactional thing where it's what I can get from God when it suits me. And so when you make the decision that I'm turning my back on God because it's taking too long, Jesus. I'm impatient, Lord. You know what? I tried this God thing for six months, but you know what? Uh, I'm ready to go do some other stuff right now. It's my Sunday. It's my only day. You see, my wife was prophesying when she said, we're going to blow some crap out of you today. And if that made you mad, well, then you, you, you're just religious. You're bound. Just bound up by religion. I can't believe they have a DJ in church. I can't believe this place is like a nightclub. Church should never be a nightclub. Oh, what should it be? What should it be? What's it supposed to look like? You know? Oh, religious holy one, you know what it's about? Come and teach us. Come and explain what it's all about. Go down the road and start one. Let's see how many people show up. Let's see how good your anointing is. Let's see if it can deliver somebody from some demonic addiction. Test it out. Come on. I've got to get back here, guys. So thorny ground. And then you abort your process, and no fruit is produced. But 20, the seed that fell on good soil... Fertile soil represents those who hear the message, accept God's word, and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as has been planted. So what is God looking for from us? I'm going to use G. I need G. I need you to come. Yeah, you, G. G. You're the only one. Right here, G. So, G. I walk up to G. Uh, at the mall. Oh, hi. Hi, G. How are you? Good. I'm Nicholas. I'm G. Did you know that God loves you and has a good plan for your life? He does, yeah. Uh, yep. She guesses. Maybe. Maybe. And then I tell G about Jesus, and G's like, you know what? 
I'm not ready for this right now. So she turns her back, and she goes back out into her life. Well, then, a couple of storms later, I run into G again. Her life has been, it's been wild. She's been through hell on earth, and she's struggling, partying. Yeah, yeah, everything's falling apart. She's desperate. So, G, I run into G. Your life is a mess. Let me tell you about Jesus. And G's like, I need Jesus. I'll take Jesus. I'll take it. Let's go. But then, Santiago, we'll pretend. This is pretend. Look at the person next to you and say, we're pretending. So, Santiago is now G's husband. And she goes home. And she tells Santi, I just gave my life to Jesus. Everything is why I love God. And Santi's like, you're crazy. You're my woman. You stay away from that cult. You don't go back to that church. Forget it. And so pulls her right away. No, we're going to continue drinking. I'm going to continue growing pot in my house. I'm going to continue sleeping around on my wife. I'm going to, I'm going to continue to terrorize my children. But anyway. Look, this is real life. This is real life. Don't tell me about it. Some of you in this place are living in this nightmare I'm talking about right now. So, in the beginning, she let pride keep her away. Well, now she's allowing people to keep her away. All right. Well, now she's like, she's had enough. She comes back, and she's like, forget about it. I need God in my life. I'm ready to break through. So, she accepts the message. She receives it with joy, and then John comes along. Come on, John. John is her boss. John is loaded. John, John... John is the money man. Show the ring, John. Show him the ring. Show the cash. And so now John says, look, look, gee, I'm going to promote you. And I'm laying out extra cash on the table for you to take this promotion. And now she's like, well, oh, my gosh. I got to separate from everything I'm doing here at the church. Uh, yeah, I got, I got perks and I got benefits for you. So G goes along with John now. And what has she done? She's allowed the lure of wealth and the desire for other things to pull her away back into the world that she was trying to get free from so that she could be born into the kingdom, find her assignment in the king, and then walk it out for Jesus. So anyway, after three rounds of hell, she gets fired from a job because that's what happens at the end of the day when you're not performing and they find somebody better, they let you go anyway. And guess what? They find somebody to replace you within 24 hours. Oh, really loyal to you. I need Jesus. <laughs> she really needs Jesus right now. Help me. So G makes this decision. I don't care. I'm going to live by what the Word says. I don't care what anybody else says. I am not going to please people anymore. I'm going to live to please Jesus. She says, I don't care what the world has to offer me. What good is it to gain the whole world but lose your soul in the process? 
And she decides, I want a relationship with Jesus. I want to walk with Jesus. Yeah, I want to walk with Jesus every day of my life. I want to know the assignment that he has for me. I don't want to get caught up in the things of the world anymore. And let me tell you this. You have to say goodbye to the world. You have to say goodbye to religion so that you can step into a relationship with God. And you've got to come to the point where you're willing to lay your life down completely to live for Him. And I'm telling you, yes, and I'm down here with you. So when you fully surrender your life and you give it to the Lord, right, and you get filled with the Holy Ghost, now God starts talking to you. He starts giving you dreams. He starts giving you pictures. And they come one dream and a vision and a voice. And all of a sudden, a puzzle starts coming together. You see, because Moses brought him out of Egypt. Thank you, G. Moses brings him out of Egypt into a wilderness. You know what happened in the wilderness? The first thing they had to do, they had to get rid of complaining. They were murmuring and complaining against Moses, saying, you brought us out into the desert. Life was better when we were back in Egypt. When you start looking back to your old life and say, you know what? My old life is better than the life I currently have right now. There's some stuff that needs to die in you. That's part of your journey. You've got to get rid of the whining and you've got to get rid of the complaining. And they murmured against Moses. You know that pastor. That pastor. You know what he expected me to do? He's so religious and judgmental. He wants me to put my liquor down. I thought they were a church of love. I'm going to go to the Catholic church. Because they actually give you wine when they serve communion. Yeah, the best thing to give somebody trying to get free from alcohol addiction is some wine on a Sunday morning. It's exactly what they need. And so you've got to get rid of the murmuring. You've got to get rid of the complaining. Do you know, as they came out of Egypt, the first place, the first watering hole they came to was a place called Mara. Mara means bitterness. Before you can move forward in your relationship with God, one of the things you have to do is you have to get rid of all the bitter things from living in your previous life. That means you've got to forgive the people that abused you. You've got to forgive the people that hurt you, the people that disappointed you. You've got to get rid of all the bitterness because if you don't get rid of the bitterness on the inside of you, you cannot move forward to the mountain to encounter God. And I'm telling you, this journey is to bring you to the mountain in the wilderness. Why the wilderness? Because the wilderness is a dry place where you get so desperate for water. I am desperate for God. I cannot live without God. I don't care what Egypt has to offer. I'm on a journey to find God, and I don't care how hard I have to press. I want to have a face-to-face -face encounter with Him. I want to have a burning bush experience. I want to see the fire and the glory of God come down on the mountain. I want to hear God speak to me. Are you looking for a man to tell you what God has to say to you? Or are you going to go straight to the source? You're like Neo in the Matrix and you've got to go to the source. I'm not going there. But we'll have red pills as you walk out the door. And I'm telling you right now, when you climb this mountain, Psalm 23, who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Those who have clean hands and pure hearts. So when you get your hands clean and you get your heart pure, well, if you get your heart pure, your hands will be clean. Now, there's nothing in the way of you having encounters with God. There's purity. 
And that's what sin does. That's what bitterness does. That's what anger and judgment does. It clogs your heart and it keeps you out of the presence of God. So when we're worshiping and we're lifting our hands, we're closing our eyes and we're stepping into the presence and we're seeing things and we're hearing things and we're feeling God touch us and we're worshiping Him. But if you got stuff in the way, you close your eyes. It's just a block. You can't get into the presence because we've got to clean the heart out. We've got to get rid of all that stuff so you can step in. And Hebrews chapter 9 talks about the blood of Jesus that will cleanse your conscience so you can worship God. That's the power of the blood. Now you start having glimpses on the mountain. You start seeing across the border into your promised land. And God starts showing you pictures of your future. And these pictures become a puzzle over time, and you get a whole picture of the plan and the purposes that God has for you. And then what do you do? You cross the Jordan River. That's what Joshua did. He took them across the Jordan River. And it says when they crossed the Jordan River, the water backed up all the way to a town called Adam. That means everything in your life, from when you were born into sin in this world till that moment, your history is wiped out. And you enter into a new season only with God's vision for your life in front of you. No longer looking in the rearview mirror, being reminded of who you used to be in that world. You're a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. You're no longer living in that old life. You have been born again, and now you're stepping into your purpose that God has designed for you. And this is a private journey that everyone walks with the Lord. My purpose and my wife's purpose work together, but they're separate journeys. And Jesus leads me and says, Nick, I need you to do this. I need you to do this. I need you to do this. And I have to follow his leading. But I have a wife who understands this, and she'll support me. And at the same time, I understand this, so I'll support my wife. Why? Because at the end of the day, I know we have assignments that run together. And we're going to get to the end of our journey, having worked together as a team to fulfill what God has called us to do. But let me tell you this. The minute that you get your assignment from God, you've got to step into a place where you've got to take down giants. And the giants are taking territory for the kingdom. And Misty and I, when the Lord spoke to us to step out from working where we were working and He gave us our assignment, what we've been building for the last 15 years is the assignment God has given us. And trust me, renting buildings and buying property and working with 500 kids and their parents every single day and working with 50-something employees, trust me, if you're not anointed and you're not called and you're not graced for this, you don't last very long. Because the minute that persecution comes or the minute that trials and situations come, you pack up your stuff and run because you're a hireling doing it for the money and you're not doing it for God. And so we're not doing this for money. We're doing this for the king because it's our assignment. And we're birthing something that has never been seen before. Churches are not supposed to be copies of other churches. They're supposed to be individuals, just like we're individual in Christ Jesus. And God calls a tribe together to fulfill an assignment. And I want you to know that you being part of pure, you're part of this assignment that God has given us to reach the next generation and to restore families. 
And we're going to raise up strong fathers in the house. And we're going to raise up strong mothers and women in the house. And we're going to raise up strong families with children who know who they are. And we're going to help you overcome every challenge that your family has faced. And we're going to break every assignment of the devil off your family's future and your family in line. And you're going to see the blessing of God come upon you. And we're going to take this region and other regions for the kingdom. So anyway. That's what we're excited about. That's what we do. That's why we wake up every day. That's why we do this. Amen? And that's what you're part of. And this is the journey you're on. And we want to walk with you, but you've got to decide you want to take the trip. And on this trip, God is going to remove everything out of your foundation that's unstable. But when it gets removed from you, it's going to hurt you. You're going to feel like something in you is dying, and it gets ugly. It's like in Afrikaans, we say, snot and trana. Look at the person next to you and say, snot and trana. That means snot coming out of your nose and tears coming out of your eyes. You're a hot mess. Snot and trana. That's right. Havana understands. So how does this work? Let me tell you how it works. If you have something that you need broken out of your life, you need to make the decision that Jesus is the one that's going to deliver you. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how bad it is. If you don't want it anymore, he can deliver you from that thing. But you've got to make a decision, I'm done with it. That's why this altar is here. This altar is here on a Sunday morning for you to come and say, Pastor, I got stuff that I got to bury. I got stuff I want to nail to the cross. I got stuff that I want to get rid of that I don't want in my life anymore. I don't know how to break free. I need you to help me break free. Well, that's why I'm here. That's what I do. But most people have this lie in their minds, pastor's too busy for me. And that's a great excuse to stay stuck. Just like the weather is a good excuse not to obey God. It's the weather. Don't be ridiculous. Don't be easily swayed because there's power at the cross to deliver you and set you free. But you're going to make draw a line in the sand and say no more. I'm not the devil's property. The devil will not use me for his works. This is a holy temple that belongs to Jesus Christ. And I'm going to separate myself and become a holy vessel fit for the master's use. And I'm telling you right now, the harder you run after God, the quicker you'll get set free. And I'm telling you, it'll unlock a relationship with the Lord where God starts speaking to you like He spoke to man in the Garden of Eden. And you begin to walk this road with God where He clarifies who you are, your identity, and the purposes that He has for your life. And He will train you, and He will raise you, and He will teach you, and you'll become somebody that is mature and solid, and God can use you to bring destruction to the enemy's kingdom. Can I get an amen? But it's in the measure that you surrender that God can use you. And there's different commitment levels you have to make to the Lord. And it doesn't happen overnight. I understand the journey of leaving one season into a next season. There's a transition. But you've got to say, I'm taking the trip. I'm leaving where I was. And I'm going somewhere brand new in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? I'm just so glad to be a part of the family. Got you, and you got me.